Get your financial questions answered live by Joe Anderson CFP during the Your Money, Your Wealth webinar, Wednesday, May 13th at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Go to the podcast show notes ASAP to register for the CARES Act. Now what? Followed by an open Q&A with Joe, moderated by yours truly. Click the link in the description of this episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes, download financial resources, and register for the YMYW live webinar on May 13th. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe and Big Al talk asset location and answer some of your tax planning questions, because what types of investments you keep in your taxable, tax-deferred, and tax-free accounts can play a big part in how much tax you pay over time. And as always, the fellows also talk strategy when it comes to Roth IRA contributions and Roth conversions. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA. Is stay bone. That's the bone. That's the bone. All right, cool. Hey guys, my current employer of two years now offers a 401k and Roth 401k. They match up to three percent, and at five percent, they match half. I am putting my three percent in the 401k and just starting putting two percent into the Roth. I have no other investments or retirement plans. What assets should I be choosing in my 401k? They have a target 2050 fund, or I can choose other options like mid cap, small caps, international. I have minimal financial education when it comes to investing and just started listening to your podcast. All right. Well, welcome to the family, Esteban. What do you think, Al? So, well, target. 2050 is what he's talking about. So I'm going to guess he's about 40 years away from retiring, 30 years away from retiring. Sorry, let me do the math right. So, and if that's the case, then you certainly, Esteban, you can you can favor the stock market. And, and some some folks would say, you know, maybe put 80% in the stock market. Some people might put 100% because you got 30 years to write things out. Some folks would put 60% in just because they they don't want to handle the risk or, or even less. So it, it depends on, on, I guess, your ability to handle the risk and and will you get too bummed out if it goes down. But yeah, no, I would I would basically I would basically favor putting the money into into stocks. I, I like the idea of splitting it between the regular 401k and the Roth 401k. Uh, get as much as you can. The you know five percent match that or. I don't quite know how to read that. It looks like 3%. Maybe you get 3% match for the first 3% you put in, and then another 2% more, you get another 1% match maybe. I'm not really that sure. That is absolutely correct, yes. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I like the idea of having some balance there, and I would I would uh, focus more on stocks than bonds right now. Yep, I agree. Um, you know, the hey, Andy, look up the 2050 Vanguard target date fund. I'm just curious on what the allocation is on that. Okay. Um you know, if, if you have minimal dollars to invest, you're just starting out, you know, you just started to invest a year or two. Um, I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of the target date funds um, for, for beginner investors like this um, just because there's a glide path that they'll be rebalancing the overall accounts. And as you get older, you know, uh, but as those dollars get larger and you get more sophisticated within your strategy as listening to this podcast, so like in another month, Esteban, we'll get you <laughs> dialed. Right. Um, but, you know, it depends on how much money, you know, you have, how much money that you're contributing. I don't know what he makes for an income, but he's saving 5%. Um, you know, but yeah, I agree with you, Al, that A, you would probably want to 
<clears throat> way more towards stocks. Um, um, or if you don't want to worry about it, then then do the target date fund until you, you get a better handle on it. So the Vanguard 2050 target date fund is uh, total stock market index fund 53.6%, uh, total international stock market uh, 36%, total bond market 7.5%, and international bonds 3%. All right. I like that. That's 80, uh, 90, 10. Um, that's, yeah, didn't we have a, we had a full on blown out conversation with Mikey Martin about VTSAX. The, the US, yeah, US total US stock market index fund. I own that fund. So does Al, I believe. Uh, I own right. the total international um, stock market fund from Vanguard. Um, so, you know, those are two funds that I like quite a bit because you're fully diversified. It's cheap. Um, so I would go with the 2050 fund to start. Um, your 90% stocks, your 10% bonds. Uh, this is not a recommendation by any stretch. It's just an observation. Yeah, I'll tell you, the only other caution I have if you're new to investing is, and I've seen this happen before, Joe, people will invest heavily in stocks, the market goes way down, and then they just, they get out of it, they get burned, they go, this doesn't work for me, it's like gambling. And that that markets do go up and down. That's why you receive the rates of return that you do receive on stocks and you have to be able to write out the volatility. And if you can do that, uh, and most of us that have been investing a while realize markets come back and, and we just kind of write them out. But uh, I have seen folks that uh, invest in, in, in stocks or a fund and it went down and then they decide to get out for good. So if, if that's you and you're just starting out, you might want to go a little bit more conservative until you, you get a little bit more confidence in how the market works. Got an email came in from Ken from Philly. Um, hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You right. responded already. Yes. I'm interested in getting your help about a debate I'm having with my financial guy. All right. Let's see what we got, Big Al. Okay. My wife... 55, planning to retire 2021. Oh, boy. That's pretty young. Yeah. 56 years old. That's great. And I, 65, retired. All right. I have taxable accounts, deferred retirement Roth accounts. To make a long story short, the debate is which accounts should be more aggressive versus accounts should be more conservative. Presently, our stock bond allocation sorted by least to most aggressive. All right. So wife's got a Roth, Al. 3% stocks, 95% bonds. Um, I would assume the rest in cash. Yep. Wife's IRA to in 403B, 33% stocks, 65% bonds. Husband IRA, 47% stocks. 13% bonds and 40% cash. Uh, that math doesn't work. <laughs> but um, yeah, it does. Anyway, yeah, 47, does, 87, 90. Yeah. It does. 87 and 13. Oh, yeah. There it is. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> My math doesn't work. <laughs> Husband's Roth, 52% stocks, 47% bonds. Okay. And then joint brokerage account, 86% stocks, 5% bonds. By the way, your show is great. And I always look forward to listening. Okay, so what's the debate, though, Ken? 
Which yeah, we'll accounts should be Who's aggressive that? versus which accounts should be conservative? So yeah, he's I know, asking. But I mean, I want to know what Ken is seeing, and I want to know what the financial guy is <laughs> seeing. See. Yeah, me you know too. what I mean. So is this the financial guy's recommendations? And then Ken's saying, "Hey, financial guy, I got a, I got a couple guys in California that probably know more than his financial guy, and so I want to really get in the debate." You know what I'm saying? Got it. All right. So I guess in general, right? This is what you got to look at, Ken. You're, you you want to have more stock allocation in Roth IRAs and non-retirement accounts and more cash and bond allocations in your overall retirement accounts. That's called asset location. Uh, just because, right, you want uh, asset classes that have a higher expected rate of return in your Roth as those continue to go up over time. When you pull them out, you don't pay any tax. Um, in taxable accounts, if you have more stocks, when stocks go down as they did, you get tax loss harvest. And then when things go up, you can sell them at a capital gain. Everything inside a retirement account is always going to be taxed at ordinary income rates. So you want to have asset classes that have a lower expected return in those accounts. So um, anything else to add there, bud? No, that's that's right on. I, I think the, the way we kind of look at it is the, the stocks are obviously more aggressive and have a higher expected return than bonds, but then certain kinds of stock accounts are, are, are more aggressive and higher, have a higher expected return. Uh, over the long term, like smaller companies, value companies, emerging markets, they, these are ones that they're certainly more volatile, but over the long term, they tend to perform better. You favor those kind of in the in your Roth IRA. Uh, and then you, f- you flip at, flip around to the, um, the IRA or 403B, you have your safest money there because it, it, you don't want your highest growth there because you just have to pay more tax. And then everything else goes into the brokerage account. Hopefully, that's still a bunch of stocks because you got capital gain treatment there. You got tax less harvesting. So that's exactly right. And and I think uh, if, uh, if if you don't consider cash flow needs, and I'll come back to that in a second. Yeah, that's what I was ca- going to. Yep. Cash flow needs. Then you would put basically 100% stocks in the Roth and 100% bonds in the in the IRA brokerage account, depending upon your account balances, of course, and put the difference in your in your brokerage account. In other words, you're, you're basically you're starting with your Roth, make it most aggressive, and then you go to your your IRA 403b, make it most conservative, and then everything goes in your brokerage account. Now, on the other hand. Uh, Ken, you said you're retired and your wife is going to be retiring here in another year or so. So you probably want to have some cash in all three pools, if you will, the tax-free Roth, the the retirement accounts, and the non-retirement accounts, because you're probably going to be drawing money from all three accounts. So just be aware of that. But to the extent that you have monies that you can invest that you're not going to draw in the near term, I I would do it the way we just suggested. Yeah. So there's two different planning types, right? You got accumulation planning, and then you got retirement income planning. So as you're planning to accumulate, then, you know, by really leveraging the tax uh, pools by having more, you know, aggressive type assets in the Roth and brokerage account makes all the sense in the world. But now that you're transitioning into retirement, you've got to come up with an income plan, 
right? What, what other income sources are you going to live off of? Are you collecting Social Security? Your wife's 55. She'll retire at 56. She's got 13 years, roughly, until she collects her benefit. What is that bridge um, for her to collect her benefit? Where are you going to be pulling from? Do you pull now from the brokerage account? But you got 86% in stocks that are now, you know, at a 20, 30% discount. So you got to be careful as you, you, you know, you're a year, two years into retirement or, or planning for your retirement, where are you going to pull the assets from? Um, what other income sources do you have? And then you want to make sure that you understand what tax bracket that you're going to be in, because then that's going to determine what accounts that you pull from, right? So a lot of times people will just blow out of their non-retirement accounts. They'll pay almost zero in tax and they'll let their retirement accounts continue to grow. And then all of a sudden, all they have left to pull is their Social Security and retirement accounts, and they're stuck in potentially a higher tax bracket. You want to make sure that you understand, okay, what's your income need? How much needs to be pulled from the accounts? And then have a concrete uh, strategy to determine, you know, what accounts that you're going to pull from to minimize, to keep yourself in that really low bracket long term. Strategizing is what it's all about to make your retirement dollars stretch as far as possible. Download our free guide on why asset location matters from the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Find out in more detail what asset location is, how it works with portfolio rebalancing, and how your portfolio can benefit. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to get to the show notes. If you've got questions, you know what to do. Just click the Ask Joe and Al on air banner in the podcast show notes and send them on in. Uh, just like Mike did from Akron, Ohio. Akron. Akron. Okay. What do you call it? Akron. What did I say? Akron. Oh, I like the AIDS. It sounds better. It's the, the ah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, I can see that because like acorn, I mean, it's, it's almost like that. So Akron? Does that sound better? Akron? Oh, that's... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. Yeah, That's what it's called. I agree with Andy on this one, which I usually do. Oh, but yes, it sounds better, Joe. So, you know, go with the aesthetics of it. Okay. <laughs> Who cares right, what the town's actually called? Akron. I don't know. You say tomato, I say tomato. Okay. Okay. Good enough. If I made a 50K... And 10K was ordinary income and 40,000 was qualified income tax at 15%. I would be in the 12% tax bracket. 40 plus 10. At what percentage is the 10K taxed? So the, the capital gain sits on top of your ordinary income, Mike. So this is, we had that other question a couple of weeks ago. Um, so he's got $10,000 of ordinary income now. He has a capital gain of $50,000. So he's curious. He's like, well, what? Uh, how's that 10% of ordinary income? What is that going to be taxed at? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's taxed at the, at the lower bracket. So the way to think about it, Joe, is exactly what you said. You start with the ordinary income. Forget the capital gain income at this point. Qualified income tax at 15%. That's either going to be a sale of a stock or it could be qualified dividends, for example. So you start with that ten thousand uh, bucks. The first ten thousand dollars for a single taxpayer in round numbers uh, is taxed at ten percent. So that ten thousand dollars will be taxed at ten percent. Now the um, the the other amount uh, of fifty thousand uh, dollars 
So that's, you know, or I'm sorry, another $40,000 of qualified, $50,000 of total income. You take out the standard deduction of about $12,000 and change for a single person. So that basically means that you're going to be under the or in the 12% bracket, considering all of your income added together, which then means all of your capital gain is tax free, at least for federal purposes. So yeah, $10,000 at 10% roughly. So about a thousand bucks. I would even say this is that that $10,000 would probably be wiped out by the standard deduction. Yeah. You know what? Think of, I'm thinking about that again. And that's, that's actually right because you want to take your, you want to, <laughs> I'm making all kinds of mistakes today. You, you want to take your uh, ordinary income minus your ordinary deductions and standard deduction would be considered ordinary. It would wipe that out. And so therefore you're left with uh, zero tax, zero tax. Look at that. Yeah. So I guess let, let, let's recap this in, in in a sense of, I don't know if Mike is married or single, um, but he's got a question just on tax brackets, just a, just a simple equation of what you'd look at is that if you have a large capital gain, right, just you have to just ignore that for a second because that will always sit on top of your ordinary income. So you want to look at what ordinary income sources that are coming in. So did you take an IRA distribution or do you have, you know, employment or wages. So you add that up and then you take off the standard deduction. Or if you itemize, you take your itemized deductions and you subtract that off of the ordinary income. So let's just say he only had $10,000 of ordinary income. The standard deduction would wipe out that income. So he would pay zero tax at ordinary income rates. And then if he stays in the 10 or 12% federal rates, then there is no capital gains. So the capital gains rate in the lowest two brackets is zero. So if he's married, it's up to about $80,000 of income. In single, it's about $40,000 of income. So in this case, Mike from Akron would pay zero tax. <laughs> That's right. So let me let me put it another way too, which is just for clarity. So Mike, let's let's pretend you had an extra fifty thousand dollars of of capital gain income or qualified income. So now you're going to be over the twelve percent. So so the amount of capital gain or qualified income to get to the top of the twelve percent that part's tax free. Any amount above that would be taxed at the fifteen percent rate. Because Joe, I get that question sometimes. It's like, well, wait a minute. I'm in the, I'm in the twelve percent bracket, but I got a property with a million dollar gain. So are you telling me I can sell that property and pay no tax? And the answer is no. It's it's only up to the top of the twelve percent. All other gain will be taxed at the at the capital gain rates. All right. So Ricky is calling from Alabama. He goes, okay, Joe. Go Gators. And he's spelling a G-A-A-U-X. So he's going to be from Louisiana. Remember, yeah. he, he told us uh, recently that he roots for LSU. Oh, that's right. Oh, Ricky. yeah. Okay. I remember Ricky now. Oh, yeah. Ricky. Ricky runs fast. Ever seen that one? Ricky Henderson talking in third person? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he does. You're absolutely right. He did that. Throw, throw me crazy. And if it drove me crazy, you would must have been nauseated. <laughs> Ricky likes to run fast. Ricky steals his bases. <laughs> yes, uh, I do. If I sell non-IRA stocks to generate funds to pay taxes for a Roth conversion and then use the IRS direct pay to pay the estimated taxes, where on earth do I report it on my 1040? That's a good question because a, it needs to go tax. 
Yeah, yeah. So here a couple couple things. The uh, you're selling non IRA stocks, so that's considered a capital gain. That goes on Schedule D. And uh, if you've held those stocks or shares or whatever, mutual funds, index funds for more than a year, it's a long-term capital gain. You get special tax treatment. It's a, it's a cheaper tax. If it's less than a year, it's short-term capital gain. Either way, it goes on Schedule D. So that's, the, I think, maybe the first part of the question. Second part of the question is when you're using the IRS direct pay to pay the estimated taxes, there is a line on your tax return for estimated taxes it's it's under the payments schedule which uh, joe i forget which that one is because they just changed the schedule numbers for 2019 but there's a schedule in the 2019 return that shows all your payments and on the payments there's a line that says estimated payments and that's where you'd put it is there a way for someone to find out how much that they paid in estimated taxes uh, yes, uh, you, you can, uh, you can call up the IRS and they will tell you that's, that's one way to do it. Um, there is, uh, I know state of California has a way for you to go online and, and, and sign up and, and take a look at your payments there. I just, I honestly don't remember if, if IRS has instigated that or included sort of that as well. So I'm not sure about that. Got it. Okay. So, um, yeah, there's a little, so there's actually a schedule to, uh, to put your estimated taxes on because if they didn't put that on there, it would show that he would owe that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Yeah. So you got, you have two, two things to report here. One is the gain on sale of the stocks. And then the second one is to where to put your um, tax payment. And it's, it's basically, it's, it's the same, same schedule where you have withholding and other things like that. Cool. Okay. So we got <clears throat> Matt somewhere in California. Thank you in advance. All right. I'm retiring in May from military uniform service over 30 years of active in reserves. Thank you very much for your service, Matt. I'll be getting a retirement pension from military, but I also will be getting a smaller retirement from working for the state of California. It is much smaller retirement, but they will pay me a monthly pension as well. I'm 56 years old. The state of California is going to pay me a lump sum of money in April around eleven thousand dollars for pay, pay uh, for back pay. However, they are not going to tax it, so we'll need to figure out how much to pay in federal tax because of this. We don't want to get penalized as well. How do I find out how much to pay in taxes? I've been doing some research, but wanted to hear your thoughts on this. So, Al, he gets. A lump sum of 11600 So I got two things here. So, Matt, you've got to figure out if that $11,600 lump sum, I'm guessing you could probably roll that into an IRA and you would not be taxed on that at all. If you took it as income and then you would just want to figure out what other income sources that you have, add it up, and then you can find out what marginal bracket you're going to be in and kind of do the math that way. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you can roll it, that might be the way to go. Um, but otherwise, it sounds like it's tax-free in California, but not necessarily tax-free on the federal return. So yeah, you just have to look at all your other income, figure out what bracket you're in. And I think the way to think about it is when you have extra income, 
then you, you want to use what's called a marginal tax rate to figure out how much you're going to be taxed on that extra income. In other words, if you have 50000 of income each and every year, you're in a certain bracket. But if you add another $10,000 on top of that, that that's so whatever marginal bracket or that that particular bracket that that ten thousand dollars is that's what you're going to be taxed for that extra marginal income and a lot of times people get confused on on effective rate versus marginal rate the effective rate is your is your average rate of all the brackets the the uh, the marginal rate is the um, the highest rate you're in which is what you use when you have extra income to figure out the tax and likewise when you have an extra deduction, that's the rate that you use to figure out how much tax you're going to save. Since you listen to YMYW, you already know that doing Roth conversions is a major strategy to consider when it comes to reducing your taxes in retirement. But also as a listener to YMYW, you know that this stuff can be pretty complicated. Any strategy you implement has to work together with your overall financial plan. Do you know about the effective rate versus the marginal rate? Do you know what tax bracket you're in now and what tax bracket you'll be in when you retire? Are you tax loss harvesting and rebalancing your portfolio? Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and sign up for a free one-hour tax reduction analysis. Nail down the answers to all these questions and find out if you could be saving money and paying less tax in retirement. Schedule an appointment and get free gifts. Our tax planning guide, tax checklist, and our new ebook, Retirement Revamp, Financial Planning in Times of Crisis by Pure Financial Advisors Director of Research, Brian Perry, CFP, CFA. Sign up now for your tax reduction analysis in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Some more emails here, Alan. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, Alan from Lakeside. I currently have a good advisor, Kings Road Financial on Moorhead Drive. (laughs) Okay, so you gave them a plug. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. (laughs) Uh, Bernard and partner Larry have done very well for me. All right. That's awesome. I'm looking forward um, one term, a small nugget of information. Okay. Just signed up for social security payments. I turned 66 in July. He will so turn with 66, my, I think. I turned 66 July. I'm just reading what they write. So with my additional cash, I want to plan for Roth conversion. He says so, conversation. <laughs> but yeah, for Roth conversation. Um, so of my 401k rollover from AT&T, 17% was post-tax. Do you have tutorials I can review? Um, sure. Why do we, why did, why is this in the email bag here? It's not really a question. This is just, (laughs) this guy's just writing into the firm and saying, I love my advisors, Larry and Bernard. Kings Road Financial. Hey, and did we ever hear back from that one guy that that we had a scuffle with? No, not a word. Huh. So, well, yeah. Well, maybe he's joining forces with Kings Road Financial. Josh okay. and Bernard and Larry. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So he wants to take his Social Security benefits to do a Roth conversion. Hold off on your Social Security benefits. You have a bunch of after-tax money in your 401k plan, um, convert those dollars into a Roth IRA. It's after-tax. Put that into a Roth IRA. Do not buy an annuity. I don't know, Bernard and partner Larry, what they sell, um, but just put that in a nice, cheap, diversified portfolio. 
you have a Roth IRA, it's not going to cost you admitting tax and then roll the other after t- or the pre-tax into an IRA. Um, so I'm not sure why you would want to turn on your social security for some additional cash when you wouldn't have to pay tax on the conversion anyway, because it's post-tax. Yeah, I think you do that first, Jared, just like you said, because when you have a 401k, your post-tax dollars, you can you can roll directly to a Roth IRA, pay no tax whatsoever. And then the other money you can roll to an IRA, and then that's no current tax. You're just rolling from one retirement plan to another. But he's talking about taking his extra income and putting it in a Roth. And he, he wants to do a Roth conversation, which, which I think means a Roth conversion. <laughs> I think that's what it means. And um, you can't do that. You, you, a Roth conversion comes from your retirement accounts, not from the extra money that you have sitting around. Now, you could do potentially a Roth contribution if you or you got to have a conversation first though. you got to have a conversation <laughs> to see if you qualify and the, the way that you qualify <laughs> i'm having a chat with you alan right now this is al the al talking talking ross so if you if, if you have earned income or your spouse if you're married has earned income then you could do a roth contribution so maybe that's what you're talking about but uh, <laughs> or is but i think a conversation sounds more like a conversion don't you <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So if he's thinking he turns on his Social Security, have income to do a contribution, yeah. um, that doesn't work. So, well, it, it I guess work. I mean, do you it, think this was like autocorrect spell check or something? Could be. So but he said, I, I turned 65, 66 July. So, man, a few words. He doesn't put in the pronouns. Now, what I want to know is how come he didn't ask Bernard and Larry this question? Yeah, come on, Bernard, Larry, we're doing your work for you. <laughs> that's all right yeah. you know alan you can call us anytime but um if you want roth conversations <laughs> if you want to do roth conversions contributions i don't know whatever okay we got um martha <clears throat> from tierra santa <laughs> one of these days you'll get it tierra santa tierra santa <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> that's that minnesota accent you got Ooh, boy all right congratulations on a very nice podcast andy big al and little joe <laughs> thank you martha <laughs> thanks Are for the little, end. Yeah, little yeah yeah six four two twenty all right doesn't seem too little to me uh, that's all right i like it i like yeah yeah yeah. For the insightful and fun weekly show. All right. I have uh, followed up. I have a follow up on your podcast number 263. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the Roth conversion strategy bonanza. Um, I'm well over 50, still working, married, and my retirement money is tied up in my company's 401k and cash balance, both pre tax contributions. No IRAs. I haven't done our 2019 taxes yet, but our Omaji modified adjusted gross income is going to be somewhere around $200,000. And I'd like to get the maximum possible $7,000 into my Roth IRA that I established last November. Hey, all right. Sounds good. Scenario one, if our modified adjusted gross income is under $193,000, then I can just make a simple after tax $7,000 contribution for 2019 prior to April 15th, 2020, right? If our modified adjusted gross income was 203, then I would first have to open an IRA, make an after-tax 
a contribution to it prior to 2015 and then immediately convert it to my Roth. Both of those are correct because what Martha is stating here is that there's AGI limitations for Roth IRA contributions. Um, just as Alan was having Roth conversations about <laughs> you need income to make a contribution, Martha makes too much income potentially to make a Roth IRA contribution for 2019. The deadline to do a Roth IRA contribution right, is April 15th, but that got extended to July 15th, so she still has some time. So, yeah, she's right. If you don't qualify because your AGI is too high, then you would do an after-tax contribution and then just convert it because she doesn't have any other IRAs. Yeah, and that's the key, that if you have other IRAs, then you have to do the the, the aggregation rule and the pro rata rule, and it's not all going to be tax-free. But in this case, yeah, tailor-made for a backdoor Roth contribution. Um, okay, then she's got scenario two. Is it too late, meaning I would have <clears throat> needed to open an IRA in 2019? No, um, because your 2019 IRA contribution can still be made until July. So even though it's 2020, you have until the tax filing deadline to create that IRA or Roth IRA, depending on what you want to do. Also, scenario number two, this immediate conversion of $7,000 from my IRA into my Roth IRA will not get double taxed because I would only have a 401k cash balance Roth IRA and IRA, no other IRA, right? No, it's not double tax because you're not taking a tax deduction for the $7,000 um, IRA contribution that you're making into it. So it's after tax. And then when you convert it, it's going to be tax-free. Anything else there, Al? No, that's right on track. Agreed. Okay. All right. Thank you, Martha. Even though you called me Little Joe. <laughs> Helping you out here. Well, it's because they call me Big Al, so you must be little. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Watch our TV show, Martha. <laughs> so thank you for the, the congratulations. It's, we, we, it's been in the works for 15 years. We got um, Bruce from Joyzy. Is this Joyzy again? Yes. And actually, his, his previous question is on the other side so that you can remember what he said. But I'm guessing that you didn't read that before you're about to do his question, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, we that, like to that, do it cold. That because would be it's, called preparation. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, like, to, we like to be spontaneous, Andy. <laughs> I do remember Joyzy. Joyzy. Yeah, Hello again, folks. As usual, top-notch podcast. I heard my question and felt senile is that right yep yep god am i good <laughs> that was a guess you're on today yeah i thought you're gonna say senile i know it was close brother it was yeah, right. close right oh i didn't provide half of the math equation um, <laughs> exclamation point yes uh, I meant I'm close to 40, only have four, uh, 40K in SEP and Roth IRA. Have emergency funds and savings of about 50K, hence the question of self-directed after-tax and mega Roth. So how can legally, how can I legally insert up to 50K in retirement funds aside from the yearly $6,000 in Roth 
and whatever solo 401k can manage to pull out of the business income to jumpstart the million bucks to start withdrawing prior to collecting social security. I'm glad though that I only need to put a minimum of $4,000 a year, which is already below the current Roth of 6K because even with inflation, I'd be able to live half of the future 40K plus social security and only Medicare food tax and some entertainment to spend on. Um, and enjoy life in simple terms. Thanks again, Bruce from Joy Z. So, what the hell's the question? <laughs> <laughs> this is why you were supposed to read the previous question. <laughs> so, all yeah, right, we'll keep question, keep up the good work, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I remember we did a little bit of math, and we told him he needed to put four thousand a year. Uh, in his accounts to be able to get to the million dollars. But there, in my view, there's a caveat because $40,000 in 25 years from now is not going to cover what it covers today. So you might actually need more than a million. I think I remember saying that, but um, so that's, that, that's one comment to get us started. But I think he's basically getting at. So how, how does to, he legally how, insert the 50K into the retirement funds? It's on, uh, so, I mean, with this 401K and profit sharing, so he's got a 401K plan plus his SEP, right? So yeah. he, uh, it depends on his income. So he could put in uh, the, the full amount. He's, he's 40 years old. So he could what? Put 18 grand into the 401K plan. Yep. And then he could, depending on his profits in the, the, the business, he can add um, around another, what, 20 some odd percent of profits into the SEP or into the profit sharing as the employer contribution? Right. You can't have both. Well, you can have an, an old SEP, but you can't have a current SEP IRA and a 401k. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's profit sharing. I guess it's the same calculation, correct? Yeah, it's, a, it's the same calculation. You have to have enough income to get that full $50,000 Right. He could still do it depending on what, what Bruce's income is. Yeah, right. Yeah. You'd so, have to I have... mean, it, it depends on his profits. So let's say if his profits are 150,000 bucks, he puts in the 18,000 into the 401k component, 20% of profits on 150, he's going to get to the maximum allowable defined contribution limit of around $50,000. Yeah. So the 20% of the 150, right? So that'd be 30 plus the 18. So that's about 50,000 that he wants to get in. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So it depends on his profitability of the business. That's how you're going to get the $50,000 into the plan. So I guess, Bruce, what you're, what we're missing still from you um, is how much money you make. And then we can determine what is the maximum allowable that you could put into your solo K profit sharing type retirement account that you currently have right now. Right. That is correct. Okay, geez. We got April. She writes back in, Al, from Chi-Town. Love your show. This is my third email to you on a roll. It is my understanding that, like the 2019 federal tax return, the 2019 IRA contribution has been extended to July 15. The question is, is it better to make a lump sum contribution of $7,000 or make it in four partial payments? in case the market goes down some more. Thanks again. You all rock. All right. She's going to play a little game here. Should do I a little, do... do a little dollar cost averaging or do I just go in and invest it? I would, um, April, if I, if it, if it were me, I would take the $7,000, cut a check, put it in my IRA or Roth IRA and call it good. And don't worry about it. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you, Joe, because the first of all, I mean, most of us are we're so busy, we probably would forget it if we had to do four separate payments, go ahead and invest it. But if you're that concerned about the market, just go ahead and put the whole $7,000 in and then invest some of it now and some of it in a, in a month from now and some of it another month from now. That would be kind of like dollar cost averaging. But the truth is the market is pretty low compared to how it was, let's say, two months ago. So we already know we're buying stocks on sale. We just don't know, is it going to go lower? And that's the concern. And it may go lower. But if you think about, think of it this way, is the stock market going to be higher in five years from now than it is right now? And if you think the answer to that is yes, then go ahead and invest it. Yeah. When's the money? What's the money for? When do you need the money? Right. So put the $7,000 in. If you don't need the money for quite some time, just let it go. Um, put it in. But what? But I guess the more important thing is that make sure you get all, if you want to do the, the, the four equal components, make sure you get the $7,000 in now and then just put it in cash or money market, I guess. Um, because if you forget to do an installment, then you didn't take advantage of getting the full $7,000 in the IRA. Yeah, I totally agree with that because I think it's too easy with the, as busy as life is to forget a payment or two. Cool. Okay. Hopefully we'll get through this soon, And uh, but we're in it all together. So God bless you and, and your families, and uh, we'll see you all again next week. Uh show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule a free financial assessment video conference with a certified financial planner from Pure. That's 888-994-6257 or visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.